We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast, this episode 230 of the pod. You know, another decade pod here with Matt. Uh, the days go by, the weeks roll on, and we got Bears football coming back down the pipe uh, last week. Not much to recap. That's why we're hitting you guys on a Thursday here. We're going to do a little preview coming out of the bye against the Baltimore Ravens at home. Six-point underdogs uh, at Soldier Field, no less. But first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? Do, do we have to have Bears football this Sunday? It was I feel like the, nice, last, wasn't it? the last the last two we haven't had it. And it's yeah, because it was like, Monday, and then yeah, we it's have been the like, oh, week. this is what it's like to not be overly upset or really pissed off yeah. and watching NFL football. This is kind of nice. Able, you've been able to somewhat enjoy your Sundays in the absence of Bears football, but yeah. uh, we're back at it this week with Lamar and company heading to town. Um, Great, I, my, can't wait for that one. Yeah, but you know the thing is, is if there's a team right now. I mean, there's probably a few of them, but if there's a team right now to me that uh, are scariest in name brand and not necessarily in execution, the Baltimore Ravens rank pretty highly on that list for me. Yeah, they've had some great wins. Um, they've had some ugly losses. They mess around with Miami last week and mm-hmm. just find themselves in a game that they obviously did not need to be in. They ended up losing 22-10 to 10 to the Dolphins. I mean, they lost 41-17 to 17 to the Bengals, and they lost 33-27 to 27 to the Raiders. So their three losses have come against teams that I would put on the same plane or in the same box as the Chicago Bears in terms of yeah. talent level moving forward. Maybe the Bengals are a little bit better. Maybe the Raiders are just a squeak better, but... I think the Dolphins are a worse football team in totality than the Chicago Bears. So maybe what I'm trying to get at here is when the Ravens see a lesser opponent across from them, they tend to play down to that opponent. And, you know, it bit them last week. We'll, we'll hope that they can do the same here on Sunday, but I'm not sure that that'll be the case. No, I the Ravens, while you were kind of going through that, that spiel of the teams they've lost to or haven't looked good against, they're starting to remind me a little bit of the Cleveland Browns and that, like, you don't really know what you're going to get from them every week, and it kind of seems to be a trend mm-hmm. in that division now. I'm not sure that division is – obviously, it's good. It, it's deep. All four teams can beat you on any day, but you can beat all four teams on any given day. I'm not – I know it's a good division. I'm not sure how good all of the teams in it are, though, because the consistency just doesn't seem to be there. But I, I, I just keep coming back to it. Like we, we talk about it in our Bears recaps every week, and now we're doing a Bears preview. Like – I'm going to tune in on Sunday. I'm going to watch them play the Baltimore Ravens, a team that while the defense might not be like the the Ravens' defenses we've had in past years, it's a chance for Justin Fields to showcase himself, showcase his talents, abilities, all that kind of stuff, take a a step forward against a premier name brand in the NFL and a defense that's more than capable, a well-coached team, all that kind of stuff. I want to see how Justin Fields prepares two weeks off a bye, how he looks after two weeks off a bye preparing, all that kind of stuff against a good football team. And everything else you get is is, is bonus, nice, win or lose. Is, I, I don't really care as much as I want to see Justin Fields, how he handles the bye week, how he handles facing a good team off a of bye week, how he handles a pretty darn good defense in Baltimore at home after you know a, a great performance in Pittsburgh for himself personally. I'm just kind of looking forward to the steps we see Justin Fields take. Yeah, um, because when you boil it down, Bears have lost four straight. I mean, this is... Yeah. This is ugly. It's not getting any better. Um, hopefully, we just continue to see Justin Fields get better. And I want to see them win some football games, obviously, because Fields does strike me as the type of ball player who does – losing does not sit well with him. You can, nope. you can sense his frustration. Now, you tell that, that at the press fr- conferences. That fr- yeah, but that frustration, luckily, is not pouring over into his performance. If anything, it's sparking even more sound performance. So mm-hmm. um, a, lot to, a lot to really make sense of in this matchup. Um, Another thing to look at here, if we're going to just try and talk ourselves into it, is beyond the Bears, the Ravens do have the Browns, the Steelers, and the Browns, which is the most important stretch in their divisional mm-hmm. schedule if they do want to win a divisional title. So maybe, just maybe, looking past the Chicago Bears to a different team in orange, uh, one can only hope. But in terms of what we're seeing on Sunday, obviously the linebacking core needs to be on the money in in trying to you know just contain Lamar and, and really limit those 
broken down play, second chance opportunities, if mm-hmm. you will, because that's where this offense tends to rip off chunk plays and not necessarily in the designed offense. Um, where will you have your eyes fixed this weekend in terms of, even on the other side of the ball, other than Justin Fields, where where are the real pinch points for you here on Sunday? I mean, Ro- Roquan Smith, I think, is the other one. Uh, we know how good he is, um, but this is... Lamar Jackson is a, a more unique test than I think he's ever faced in his short, young NFL career. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's for me is is how he's going to handle that, because back in the day when, you know, when the the Michael Vick Falcons teams were in town, Brian Urlacher was always spying Michael Vick. He did a very good job of containing him, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't want to compare Roquan Smith to a first ballot Hall of Famer, but when you're the starting, you know, a number 10 overall pick for a franchise like the Bears and you're starting middle linebacker, that position holds some prestige and value. I'm really intrigued to see how he defends Lamar Jackson because that's, while it's defense football is, is a team sport, that, that individual responsibility in terms of spying Lamar, in terms of containing Lamar, probably going to fall a lot on Roquan. So I, I'm very interested to see how he works side to side, how he contains the run, all that kind of stuff. Defensively, that's that's what I'm taking a look at. I'm going to be uh, fixated on if Tony Carrente is on the officiating crew. Uh, if, I and once, really hope and, not. And, and once we get past that, uh, I really, and it's not even like a Lamar-centric thing, but I think that important days are ahead for Khalil Mack. Um where, where his career goes from here, I think, is indicative on these last few weeks of the season. Like, are you going to become that aged pass rusher who we get a look at twice a month, but he's got injuries and he's dinged up and he's kind of the less uh, the lesser version of what he once was? And yes, there's going to be there's going to be a regression in skill set once you get to a certain age here. But we're still in the thick of this contract. I mean, tail end of it, but. I really think that if if Khalil Mack wants to continue playing football in Chicago or elsewhere, he's got to show something. Yeah, Khalil Mack's going to get a going to get a contract somewhere, but it's not going to be a massive, hey, game changing edge rusher contract unless he really no. steps up and steps out. And I think that this is a nice stage for him to do it against a guy like Lamar Jackson in this Ravens offense, who maybe have a little bit more brand name than Bite. And you can get away with looking great against a team like this and, and the greater public, general public, putting a ton of value in that. Um, I'll also have my eyes on Eddie Jackson because, I mean, it's like watching a car accident. You got to kind of, it's hard to look away and we got to know what's going on there. And I can't wait has, for his first miss. This has not been good. When yeah, Lamar, this, when Lamar this, scrambles this is, into the secondary and Eddie just so, makes a business decision to jump at his ankles instead of trying so to wrap here's up. Where, here's where I can see the Bears losing by 30 points this week mm-hmm. is if they if this defense comes out again not willing to tackle, not willing to rally to the ball, not willing to, you know, if we want to get uh, if we want to get football guy about it, not willing to be the hammer and not the nail. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some Love soft, that football guy saying. It's one of it's my one favorites. Of my favorites. Um, We've seen some softness out of this uh, out of this Bears defense, and this is not a team or an offense that begets softness well. Like you're going to get exposed by some physicality going mm-hmm. against the Ravens if you're not matching that physicality. No, uh, I, I think that's really well said, um, and that's where I, I I think this defense we've seen in the past is is very capable of not not necessarily the the long pass, but the recent pass are very capable of quitting when things aren't going very well. Uh, we saw that in the 49ers game. And I, I, like you said, if, if there's a couple early quick plays, long runs from Lamar, I, it wouldn't shock me to see mm-hmm. this game get out of hand because the defense just decides to pack it in for a day. But then again, that's where I'm hopefully just going to be able to shut that off in my brain and just take a look at Justin Fields. And hopefully he, he has some pretty good drives, leads some touchdown score, leads some touchdown drives, makes some, makes some nice passes, all that kind of stuff. But defensively too, I mean, you brought up a Khalil Mack and, and the name that jumps out to me there is as good as he was, he's in danger of kind of turning into Von Miller where as good as Von yeah, Miller was, he's a good comparison. kind of been banged up and he now Von Miller has his Super Bowl, So I, I don't want to Khalil Mack doesn't, but He's kind of gone from this guy who was the best of the best in the league to now just not a guy who gets traded to the Rams for a pick at the deadline. Like that's that's not 
something you would have thought would have happened to Von Miller two or three years ago, but here we are. That, that's kind of where Khalil yeah. Mack's in, in danger of becoming. And we're, we're kind of seeing the end of this defense, this group, this core together. And I just I want to see just a few more flashes from these guys. It might not do anything long-term for the for the good of the franchise, but like I want to see Akeem, Akeem Hicks have a couple more good games in Soldier Field and have some big-time moments because we're not going to see that anymore. And is I know they didn't win anything of substance, but he's been a fun, great player for the Bears. And I want to see Khalil Mack do some fun things because I'm not sure how much longer we're going to see him in Bears uniforms. And I think that one thing that's um... – I wouldn't say counterintuitive to that because I want to see all that stuff too. But with an aging defense like the Bears have, things usually don't get better down the stretch. You know, no. you usually see, and we saw it out of Robert Quinn, out of Khalil, first few weeks leading the NFL in sacks as a team, this, that, and the other. Let's see what you got here in week 11. Let's see what you got from 11 through 17 because this is where everybody's bumped and bruised. This is where mm-hmm. everybody's feeling a little bit. This is when everyone's legs are filled and the muscles are sore and um, you know, you're know you feeling like a 40-year-old and not a 30-year-old. It's, a, it, it's definitely a um, proof in the pudding uh, week here in week 11. And I think that, again, this Ravens team is not as good as the name is. It's not mm-hmm. as good as the quarterback is. It's the 21st, 24th uh, pass defense in the league and the 15th run defense in the league. This is not a world-beater defense, as you mentioned, uh, that we tend to think about when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. If anything, the Bears have transitioned into an offensive football team, and we want to watch that offense continue to grow. Yeah. Um, it, strange times. I don't know what to make of it, but it is nice to, in some ways, be detached from the outcome um, and hopefully just, uh, again, we can pull positives away regardless of the outcome here. Speaking of the Ravens, and you know, we're, we're talking about how we don't know necessarily how good they are. Don't necessarily think they're all that good. Do we know anything about anybody in the AFC, maybe outside of the Tennessee Titans? Like, I was going to say, do, I think we, the, do we know anything about anyone? Um, I think the Bills are good, but then the Bills go and lose to the Jaguars nine to six. Like, at, at the all, it, it seems like the Titans are the only team in the AFC that they've had. Like, all these teams have kind of had chances to stake their claim. Mm-hmm. Is is the, the best team, the front runner and all that kind of stuff. The Titans are the one team that have kind of, they, they ran their gauntlet and they came out unscathed. Everyone else has kind of had their chance and the Patriots are starting to get better. They're playing better football and, and they're starting to look like a world beater and a contender in that division. But like, they're still six and four. They started out slow. Like, is anyone really that good outside of the Titans? Uh, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are still one of the best teams in football. And okay. It's not. It's there is some recency bias in there from what they did last week, but at the same on the same token, there is so much value in knowing exactly what it takes in having won a Super Bowl and having been to a Super Bowl and having the safety net of <clears throat> excuse me of one of the if not the best quarterback on the face of the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's value in having the best pass catching tight end on Earth. There's value in having the fastest wide receiver on Earth. Um, the defense still is not Super Bowl quality. Things need to be figured out, but um, they brought a couple pieces in, and it's it sparked something in the back end. But just watching the way that they were clicking in the pass game a week ago should have everybody worried, should have every single AFC team saying, oh, that's still the team to beat. Because if you look at the standings, mm-hmm. they're right there at the top still. Uh, mm-hmm. of their division. They're going to be a division champion more likely than not. They're going to come in here, maybe not have the buy, maybe not have home field advantage, but they're going to come out of there and they're going to be a tough team because they can go anywhere and play as well. They're a cold weather team. Like it's, it's still the Kansas city chiefs. Now mm-hmm. we played the sky was falling tune for what, three or four weeks there because they couldn't seem to figure it out. And it just really felt like they broke out of whatever funk they were in. Like, it was they were slumping. They were they were zero for their last twenty four, and then had a three for four game with two doubles and a home run. Like that that that's what last week was to me. And I think we see some dingers uh, in the weeks to come as well. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see how they build off that this week because that that seemed especially obviously in hindsight everything's twenty twenty. But after the Packers kind of dud 
the Raiders on Sunday night seem like – the Raiders have been a nice story all year. Derek Carr has been a very nice story, but they're kind of in a spot where they're reeling and they've had so many off, off-field off distractions, unfortunately, that it, it's kind of hard to bounce back from those things. And that, that seemed like a, sp- a spot on Sunday night where they were only laying the two and a half that – that could be a get-right spot for the Chiefs, and, and everything fell into place, and it was. I'm very intrigued to see now how they respond in a game against a legitimate Super Bowl contender because you look at their schedule after this. Broncos it, it, uh, play nice defense, but they're, they should beat the Broncos. They should beat the Raiders again. The Chargers, as good as Justin Herbert's been, like that's a team that's starting to falter a little bit. The Steelers aren't great. The Bengals are kind of regressing, and Broncos again. Like This is... This is by far the biggest game they have left on their schedule in terms of teams they're going to be facing. Obviously, divisional yeah. games are important. Like, This is a really big measuring stick kind of game. I think they're on the way to be back. We saw that they still have that fastball, that Travis Kelsey isn't necessarily washed, that Tyreek Hill is still unguardable at times, that Patrick Mahomes might have snapped out of his funk. But now I want to see them do that again against a really, really good football team in the Dallas Cowboys and against a team that they're probably going to have to go score for score with. There wasn't that much pressure to go score for score with the Raiders because that that offense wasn't playing all that well. The Cowboys are right up there with the Chiefs as the best offense in football. So they're probably going to have to go score for score with them. Yeah, I think we learn a lot more about the Chiefs, excuse me, uh, in this coming week. But in just answering your question of like, who do we – who's good in the AFC. I think the main thing that Kansas city has on their side above anybody else, and it kind of goes hand in hand with that, having been there, having done it thought process mm-hmm. is when you get to the playoffs and I don't care if they snuck in with nine wins or whatever the situation was, you do not want to play the Kansas city chiefs in the playoffs. If you could pick, if you were the Tennessee Titans and you could pick any opponent in the AFC championship game, and let's say it came down to, do you want to play the Bills or do you want to play the Chiefs? I think I want to see Josh Allen. You know, yeah, probably. I think that's I think that's who I want to bring to town rather than Pat Mahomes. So there is that air of, you know, regardless of a little bit of underperformance this year, these are still those dudes. Uh, so I'd, I'd still be very wary of, uh, of the Chiefs and the AFC. And it's sort of an interesting situation because the AFC is like, wide open because who do we know is good and then the nfc is kind of wide open because everybody's kind of good you know like Mm -hmm. i I think that it's two completely different scenarios and i think that the road through the nfc is going to be a little bit tougher that's why i mean if you like blind future bets on the super bowl i think you can get some plus money on the afc right now and i'd play that because the nfc might just poach itself uh through the playoffs and then you might have a fresh titans team or a fresh chiefs team waiting for L.A. or waiting for, I don't know, do I dare say it, Green Bay, like waiting for a team that may have had to gone through, have had gone through the thick of it, you know? The the boogeyman Tom Brady is still going to be waiting there, if you ask me. I, I still think the Bucks somehow figure it out. Okay, I, no, I, would, I would not... Um, I would not push back on that at all. It would not surprise me at all. I would love to see it because, again, I root for greatness and... Mm-hmm. Not that Tom needs anything beyond seven Super Bowls, but eight is one more than seven last time I checked. And, That's true. Uh, that, that's all Tom be, needs. It's the only motivation and, that guy needs. And I would also, and this is actually the first time this has popped in my head, if I'm not mistaken, wouldn't it be double, or no, does Bradshaw have five? Bradshaw, no. I believe, has three. Bradshaw had three. Montana, Montana has four. four. He would it double would be, up Montana. It would be double the next closest quarterback in Super Bowl wins, which would be... Unbelievable. Tom wants to get one for every finger. He wants to. <laughs> guy wants to. But you, you brought uh, up who's there. The, who's he, the stop him? Uh, it, it's probably going to come down Not to the Bucks me. and the Packers again. Not on, me. They think we're probably going to see them in Lambeau. But you talked about, you know, we were listing off teams, you know, who's who's going to be that NFC team waiting for them. People keep wanting to crown the Rams, and the Rams keep adding these players like Yvonne Von Miller, like an OBJ. Do we know that they're actually that good? Like uh, they, they beat the Bucks in that. I think the, that they're pretty good. I don't think that those two players make them any better. I think fair that the, I think that the Odell Beckham signing was important because of the loss of Robert Woods. Now those are different skill sets. Robert Woods has a little bit more juice in him, a little bit more get up and go um, yeah. than OBJ does at this current juncture. But uh, I think that it's. Um, I think that they're exactly who they were before those two signings. Um, they gave up. Like they they have this all in approach of like 
go get the flashy guy, go get the brand name, go get the former Super Bowl MVP on the defensive side of the yep. ball, go get the guy with the highlight reel plays on the offensive side of the ball. But at the at the crux of it, it's like they pass block really well. Stafford's been great. Cooper Cup's been the best offensive weapon in football. Um, and the defense, I, I don't know that the defense, um, I don't know that the defense imparts any fear in anybody. You know, again, mm-hmm. big names all over the place on defense, whether you want to say Vaughn, whether you want to say Aaron uh, Donald and Jalen Ramsey Donald, individually do, but Ramsey, I'm not sure as a whether you want to say, uh, which McCall on the outside, um, our boy from our, our edge rusher, uh, why am I like oh, Leonard, right Floyd. Now? Leonard Floyd? I mean, who had two great years after leaving Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think that they're another team with a lot of flash, a lot of flair, and they have yet to really uh, meet their own name brand, if you will. They still scare me. I think that offense. I think that. Um, I think that in the NFC, they've showed that they can play with anybody. They've showed that they can lay an egg against anybody. So it worries you. But I still think, just like if you're looking at the construction of the team and teams that are likely to be there, I really like that roster. They got they got two games in the next three weeks. I did not realize they play the Packers on Sunday. They have the Packers on, uh, yes. or I'm sorry, no, they have a bye week, and then the Packers. And then the Packers there. coming out of and the week 12. And then Packers. the Jaguars, whatever, and then they go to Arizona. Those are those are two games, two in their next three, that are going to, I think, tell you a lot about this team. Because, yes, they beat the Bucks in that big game early on, and that was they, they looked, the offense looked great. It was buzzing. They were crowned NFC champions after that one, and they, they look great against a, a banged-up Bucks team and all that. But other than that, they've they've kind of laid some eggs against teams that not that they should beat, but you know teams that you see comp- as, as competition going for. We talked yeah. about the Titans; they they laid an egg at home. We they went uh, they played the Cardinals at home early on. They got boat raced. They lost by 17 at home. They have a 49ers matchup against a reeling team and, and, a, and a quarterback who doesn't really know who he is. A head coach who's struggling. They go out and get spanked on national television. Like, I, I'm still waiting for them to step up again in another big moment. They did it early on in the year, but we need to start seeing that down the stretch for me to really buy into them as a Super Bowl team. And I haven't, I haven't seen that since week three, and we're already, we're in week eleven here. They're beating the teams they should beat, but they're they're kind of laying eggs against some stiffer competition. All right, so with ten weeks in the can, Matt, let's revisit some preseason picks here. I believe my Super Bowl pick was the Tennessee Titans versus the Los Angeles Rams, if I'm not mistaken. No, we both had Bills and Bucks. Bill, Bills Bucks? I, I had Bills know. Bucks. I had, I had Titans Bucks. I had Titans Bucks. I know That's I had right. Titans no, yeah, you, I think you and I both had the same NFC championship game. We it, both yeah. had the 49ers going there. That's yes. not going to happen. Tough look. Um, but we still um, have the Bucks, And then, yeah, we uh, I, I, had I think Titans I had Chiefs Bucks, Bills. Which, you had Titans Bills. Which I will, I, at this point, you know, why transition off of that? I'm staying mm-hmm. with my pick. Uh, Ten weeks in the can. What do you like? Uh, I'm gonna stick with where I'm at. I, I still th- I, I like I've said two million times on this podcast, and you've said the same thing. I'm not gonna bet against Tom Brady. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable um, betting on Tom Brady to get to the Super Bowl because he's done it so many times in the past. And I, I know the Packers have the defense this year, but I just I'll believe that they're gonna beat the bucks in the playoffs when i when i see it um afc is so wide open that i'm, I'm gonna stick with the bills because I, I love the titans i know they're playing really well i just don't fully buy into that defense yet and it's just maybe it's a mental block for me a mental hurdle but i just can't get my head around seeing ryan Tannehill being a super bowl quarterback I, I i could be wrong i probably am wrong i know he's gotten a lot better since he's been there all that kind of stuff but Yep. I need to see him do it before my brain can like officially process it and accept it as as something that's going to happen. That's uh, that's not uh, that's not hard for me to process your lack of being able to process. Yeah, we're a, we're a processing <laughs> podcast. That's it. We're we're in the process of processing. There we go. Uh, we do have some other things to get to here, Matt. Week eleven uh, going to be a whole a whole bundle of fun. We'll have your breakdown on the other side. Uh, Hit you with a Tuesday or a Wednesday pod next week, wrapping up what we saw from the Bears mm-hmm. and across the NFL. But Major League Baseball has, has popped back into the news feed a little bit here. It was awards week. Uh, managers of the year were handed out. Cy Youngs were handed out. I believe we will find out MVPs here on Thursday night. 
Um, but more importantly, the free agency wheel starting to spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see Verlander inking a deal to stay in Houston. Uh, you see a couple guys on the move. Um, talk to me about targets on the south side. And, I mean, we could talk north side as well. But in terms of the White Sox and, and them being a true uh, – being truly in the conversation on some big arms, uh, where should we, where should we really be focusing our energy right now? I don't necessarily know. I thought Verlander was the the name that made a whole lot of sense with where the Sox were and the, the types yep. of pitchers they like to pay. But if they were in on Verlander and were interested in that, I have no reason to believe that they won't be interested in a Max Scherzer because I think that's Max Scherzer is going to get more than one year. But Max Scherzer mm-hmm. is not a guy that's going to command a five-year deal. It's probably going to be a two- or three-year deal for a whole lot of money. And as much as Reinsdorf doesn't like to spend long-term, he's shown he's not necessarily afraid to spend money in the short term. Yep. Um, the other name you keep seeing popping up is Marcus Simeon. And that's a, a – we're talking about AL MVP. He's not going to win that, but he's an AL MVP finalist. He, I, I don't want to say he came out of nowhere for Toronto this year, but he had a – after being a solid a, second baseman, he, he had a breakout. Deal. Yeah, he had a, he had a breakout year, and those those are the guys that scare you sometimes to sign. But he's also probably not a guy. I think believe he's already 31, 32. Like he's not going to be this guy that's going to command an eight year deal. So you you might be able to get him not on the cheap, but not a guy that you necessarily have to mortgage the future for. Yep. Um, I don't know in terms of pitching. Like I don't know if it's in the trade market. I don't know if it's throwing whatever you can at Max Scherzer. I'm looking at just, a list right now of free agent uh, pitchers right now. Robbie Ray, who did just win the AL Cy Young Award, was on a prove, one-year prove-it yeah, deal as well. I'm, I'm afraid of paying him because he's been yeah. bad in the past, and last year just kind of came out of nowhere in the second half. Scherzer, I don't want to pay him. Scherzer at 37 years old, there's your worry. But, I mean, beyond that, he was 15-4 and four with a 2 4 six mm-hmm. ERA and a whip sub not, sub point nine. So, um, I have always been a Marcus Stroman believer. I have always been a Marcus yep. Stroman I like supporter. Marcus. I think he fits um, in with this clubhouse very well. Too. Yeah, the, he's got the brash. He's got the bravado. He he's got the swagger that I think like you put him and Tim Anderson in a room together, or you put him and Aloy in a room together, you put him and Abreu in a room together, and like you're gonna get some fireworks. And mm-hmm. um, I hope they're good fireworks. And I don't, I don't think that I think that Marcus Stroman sometimes gets a bad rap just because he is at the mercy of the New York media. He is an outspoken individual. Um, he always has been. And if you get Marcus Stroman in line for like nine wins that they did not convert for him. Like the, the Mets never brought the bats. Yeah. It used to be. Um, he was the tough luck starter. DeGrom comes out there. Yeah. It used to be DeGrom comes out there and spins it and the offense never brings the bats and they either win one nothing or lose one nothing. That was Stroman this past season. Um, he was solid. I would I would love to see him on the south side. I don't think he's gonna end up. I, I, I'm with you. I would love Marcus Stroman. I think that'd be a, a perfect fit. Guy, I don't I don't think he's gonna leave. But boy, would he look good and be a nice mentor guy on the staff. Is, is Clayton Kershaw? Like he, he's a free agent. The Dodgers have money to spend. It might. Be, I think it's over. I, I I don't think it's over. I don't think he. I think I think, I think his, no. I think his days as an ace are over. But I think his days as a guy that's gonna pitch half a season that you're going to just basically want to be healthy for the postseason. His last inning, I believe, was July 6th, and then just had a sore forearm for the rest of the year. Fair enough. You're paying for for a bag of trash with a bunch of awards in it. Like, that's... (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put it that way. No, I know what you're... Yeah. I've loved watching what he did. I'm so happy that he got his championship, but... I think it's I think it's over. I think that wherever he goes, whatever he does, if they re-sign him, you're not going to get more than I don't know 10, 15 starts out of him next year. Yeah, maybe you're right. I just maybe maybe that's wishful thinking. Maybe it's the the optimist in my head when you when you look at types of these guys. But that, that just a guy like that seems like a, a good fit for this rotation. Now that you know a, a guy that knows how to win because he does have that title and all that stuff. But yeah, you, you're probably right. You're looking at a guy that's going to throw, I don't know, probably a hundred innings for you this year. So you probably probably wishful thinking on my part. But yeah, we've said it before. Someone, I've said it. I've said it multiple times since the season ends. And a lot of teams are saying this, but go get Max Scherzer. He's perfect for the rotation. Yeah. He's and now I know the Sox probably want to add a lefty starter because you don't know what you're getting out of Dallas Keuchel next year. But Max Scherzer is just the guy. 
That's the guy. Yeah. That's the perfect fit for this rotation. Verlander was also a good one. Verlander got $25 million and wanted to stay in Houston. That's There's not much you can do about that. Go get yeah. the guy. Then Syndergaard uh, signs with the Angels, so he's shipping from coast to coast. Uh, some buzz around Baez maybe heading to Boston, and that's just fun to say, buzz around Baez. Baez in Boston. In Boston. Um, I think he stays really with the Mets. The, me too. I think the Mets give him – Oh, King's ransom, and it's just he's going to hit two ten and hit thirty five home runs. He's going to yeah, gonna he's going to be who he is. He's going to have some highlights of when he does cool tags and stuff. He's going to hit some bombs, but um, he'll hit two twenty. It almost it almost sounded like a foregone conclusion that Carlos Correa was going to be a New York Yankee, and then he comes out on a podcast <laughs> and completely just napalms Derek Jeter and says he deserved none of his Gold Gloves. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's I don't know if he's like. Like he's that's like sometimes you like New Yorkers like fuck you means I love you mm-hmm. like hey fuck you like it might have been like one of those like my guy like I don't know um, there is also footage of him calling Derek Jeter his idol uh, as a younger man so I I don't know how to read that one maybe because of the thing the way things ended between Jeter and Cashman quite unceremoniously that was his like tip of the cap to Cashman like hey. I'm your guy. Screw Derek Jeter. Like, I, I, I didn't know what to make of it. I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if he's going to pull a Verlander and re-up. I, I, I really am not sure. But um, It doesn't sound just, like he's going to be back in Houston. It was interesting to me. It was interesting to me. It doesn't sound like he's going to be back in Houston just because it seems like they've kind of spent the money that they have to spend. Um, yeah. I, I just – I don't – there's – the team that scares me is Detroit. I don't want them to go to Detroit because I, I like what they're building and all that there. And that, that seems like a – it's been said that's a, a kind of a dark horse type team there. They're, they're a team that's kind of up and coming in the central. They have some the young talent. They have some good pitching. He would be a – not necessarily ready to win piece, but uh, the first kind of major building block yet there. I'd rather not see him go there. I don't know where he's going to go, though. There, there's – a lot of good shortstops, and that watching that market unfold between Correa, between Baez, Corey Seager, uh, Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, obviously not a shortstop and a middle infielder. There's a lot of middle infield talent. It's going to be very uh, – there's a lot of middle, middle infield talent, and there doesn't seem to be a lock for any of them to go anywhere. Like a lot of times when you look yeah. at free agency, you kind of know the top three teams, like who's going to go after who and all that. It, it, there's not one front runner for any of these shortstops. And it's going to be fascinating to watch, especially in this quick time before the, um, before the looming lockout, whenever that does exactly happen. I'm not, I think it's coming up in a couple of weeks, but teams are going to try and I think get set before then. So it's going to be see, yeah. interesting to see what kind of money gets thrown around before then. And I think to your point of, um, likely not heading back to Houston. I think a lot of those guys, I mean, I know they say like, oh, like we're galvanized by the negativity mm-hmm. and they're used to the negativity and this and that. But like Garrett Cole shows that like, Garrett Cole was on those teams. Well, Garrett Cole's a Yankee now and he's a couple years removed from being on those teams. Everyone thinks of him just as Garrett Cole. Now he is the sticky stuff guy. Yeah. So he's got another issue out in front of him. But um, I really think that um, Carlos Correa is looking for a breath of fresh air somewhere else. And, um, I think he'll get it, and I think we'll forget that he was at the crux of all that nastiness, and then it'll just be Bregman and Altuve, the faces yeah. of, uh, of of that cheating scandal. So I agree with you that he that he probably ships somewhere. Just go else. to the NL. Go I to the just, Cardinals. I, I'd like that. Go I'm play for the Cardinals. That. I'm fine with that. I just jo- it just shocked my memory on um, on Verlander too. I don't think that that I think that that's empty money because he was a sticky stuff guy, mm-hmm. and he was gone right as or before. Excuse me, before. This whole mandate. So I think we see like a flat Verlander come out trying to figure it out. Just like there was that period of, um, well, the remainder of the season where Garrett Cole struggled to, struggled to figure things out without that spin rate mm-hmm. zip in there at 1600 or whatever it was. But I digress. Yeah, I, I, Verlander got a lot of money and it, he's been very good in the past, but he hasn't really had to. He was out all of last year. He hasn't had to throw without the sticky stuff and he is. In my opinion, along with Garrett Cole, and it's just it, it's funny this keeps coming back to Houston, uh, but he's kind of the face of the what's going on in the water over there, like, like sticky stuff movement with the pitchers because he was he was dead in the water with Detroit. He got traded for a bag of baseballs, like he was a waiver, yeah. like he, I believe he's a waiver deal um, to the to the uh, yeah. to the Astros from the Tigers. He was kind of a dead in the water guy. ERA was close to five. 
And then he just comes to Houston and he, he automatically, he's, he's found himself and he's the best pitcher. He's winning Cy Young's at age 37. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he looks like without spider tech, without sticky stuff, because I, I think he's a guy that was absolutely using it. Well, let's take the talk to the hardwood for a moment to talk about it. the 10 and five Chicago bulls um, coming off another nice week. Uh, they are behind only the Nets and, of course, the Wizards in the Eastern Conference standings right like now. Like everybody predicted, um, the Washington Wizards. And just as everyone predicted, DeMar DeRozan looks like a possible MVP candidate, scoring He's good, 28 man. a night or whatever it is right now. And um, I'm going to ask you a question, but then I'm going to answer it first. What's impressed you most about this? <laughs> what's impressed you most about this Bulls team? Because for me, it's been the selflessness. It's been mm-hmm. the... I think it's the perfect chemistry, and it, it goes against everything we've been taught over the last decade in the NBA, that you need a star, two stars, if you're lucky, three stars, and then they score 90% of the buckets, and everybody else kind of just fills in the gaps, and hopefully you have some defensive stoppers, this and that. This is a team where like everybody possesses a skill set that works with the other guy's skill set. It's like long guards. Yes, they are a little bit undersized. Um in in a couple matchups mm-hmm. out there, but like Levine is just enjoying playing with other talent. Um, Demar's got this chip on his shoulder that people have written him off, and he's playing some fantastic basketball. Um, you've got uh, you've got Caruso playing great on the defensive end. You've got um, you know it's just like everybody's pitching in fifteen and ten. And they're winning ballgames. And it's a lot of fun. And, and maybe the most selfless of everybody has been Vooch and his willingness to just like go inside mm-hmm. and play a messy game rather than have the offense run through him how it did in Orlando. Like they're just they're just a fun team to watch because they're just that. They're a team. I, I still I've been I, I'm impressed with Vooch's selflessness. I still think down the stretch, and obviously it's still very early on in the year. Still think we're going to need to see a little bit more from him than I, I think it's 14-6 yeah. that he's putting up. We, they are going to see need, need to see a little bit more from him. He's got to be a little bit better. Not that he's been bad, but they're going to need a little bit more production from him on the offensive end. Um, you kind of hit it, though. Like What I've been most impressed with, not just not the and Lon, and, Go ahead. Lon, no. and Lon, Lonzo fits right within that, within that framework, too, of just another guy doing what he's asked to do. Yeah, Alonzo's been everything you could have hoped he would be. He's, he's hitting threes. Yeah. Something, I mean, I believe he's shooting close to 40% from three this year, not taking a ton of them, but he's hitting them when he's got them. He's been everything you've needed him to be when you've needed He's playing good defense. He's being a distributor. He's hitting shots when he has to. But if I, I think you, you hit on it when you said Levine is, is happy playing with good players for the first time. I, the selflessness, I think, kind of stems back to that because I, I think he's so used to being the guy on a terrible team that now he's on a good team. And <laughs> what fun is that? I, yeah, I, I don't think he minds having all these good players and sharing the ball because he's winning. And it's, it's just something that unfortunately for him in his NBA career, he hasn't had the chance to do. And I think he's happy winning. And the, like, those two guys have had, there were, you know, early on in the year when they signed him all that, you know, only one ball and, and who's going to want to be the guy. They don't care who the guy is when, when uh, when Levine's knocking down threes, DeRozan's happy. When that when the when they're working it inside out and the mid range jumpers there for DeRozan, great. That's awesome. Some nights are going to be the nights where DeRozan puts up twenty five shots. Some nights is going to be Levine. Sometimes they're both going to put up fifteen. And it seems like early on, at least, those guys have no problem just going with the flow mm-hmm. of the game and taking what the game is giving them. I will say you touched on it too. Size and depth are things that they're going to have to address probably in the same trade. I don't necessarily know exactly how trade exceptions work towards the salary cap and all that kind of stuff. I believe they do have a trade exception this year. Kobe White's probably the piece that they have to, unfortunately, I I like Kobe White as a scorer off the bench and all that kind of stuff, but you have to give something to get something. And if they want some size and depth off the bench, that's probably the guy you have to move. Um, The way that, Io has come out and shot yeah. the ball too. Gives you another guard there and makes it a little bit. It, it's nothing against Kobe White. I like him as a player. No. I think he's going to have but a nice long career in this league as a scorer. Off it's the also bench, nice to have a trade piece when you have needs inside. Yeah, and no. that's that's what they need. I, not that they've been. They, Tony Bradley's held his own, but he's kind of more the guy that needs to be off the bench. And they, him and Vooch are both centers. I think you need kind of more like a swing big man that can come off, come off the bench, play defense, all that kind of stuff. And Kobe White's just, unfortunately the guy that probably gets moved for that. Yeah. 
Um, Matt, you want to do some? Want to take it back a little bit? Do a little buy or sell here. We haven't done it in a while. Buy or sell. Okay you want to do a that. lock? Where you want to go next? Uh, we'll we'll close with locks. Let's close with locks. We can go to buy or okay. sell here. Well, I think I, we kind of just wait. touched on my, my first one there with the Bulls, but I okay. guess we'll just add on to it here since we're there. Buy or sell the Bulls are when the season ends a top three team in the East. I'll buy it. I'll buy it with the way they're playing right now. If they can continue playing basketball this way, 100%. I think they're a top three seed in the East. Um, you've got some teams that are still, uh, you know, waiting, if you will. The Heat right there at 10 and 5. Um, I don't think the Knicks are going anywhere. I think when the Sixers get Joel Embiid back, mm-hmm. that's a top three seed. So it, to me, it's going to be Nets, Sixers, and then. Heater Bulls. What's, I guess what's would wrong be with the Bucks? The next, by I mean, the way, the, I just popped open the, the standings. They're seven and eight. Yeah. Obviously, that's not going to. Are they just going through a little hangover right now? What's what's going on with that? Uh, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I haven't been. You know, with it still being football season, yeah. I haven't been like as, whole as, hog as plugged into in the association just yeah. yet. But that's another team that that you could conceivably slot above them with you know just what they have. Um, but I'd buy it right now with the way they're playing. They might be that surprise three seed. You know, pre- prior to the year, I think I had them at a five seed. That was my hope. Yeah. So um, anything there or north, I, I think you're you're coming away from this feeling pretty darn good. But um, I'll buy it. I'll buy a three seed. Home playoff series. That's I think that's It'd be awesome. That was my goal at the beginning the, the, the of the year. And I, I think the with where they're at now, I think that's a very achievable goal. And I think that's what you got to set it. You want to have a home playoff series in the first round. Uh, Matt, buy or sell. Crypto.com arena. Just simply put, buy or sell it. Sell it. That's like that's like sell that's it. like changing. The, do you sell crypto? Do you buy or sell crypto? Uh, I I have a small holding. I have a small. I have a small. But uh, I'm in Doge. Well, see, yeah, that's just that's unfortunate. It's actually not. I've made some. I should have sold it a long time ago, but I did make some money on it. No, I, no that's I uh, shout out. Like, shout out to pod. Shout out to listeners of the podcast, Frank Marchiori and uh, and Kyle Gorgel. They were in early 2017, so it got me into a couple of the blue chippers, and uh, it's just been a hold. It's just been a hold. This is a uh, that's talking crypto here on the Moose and Roots podcast. Hey, we, but we uh, be to a, your to your point, um, anything it doesn't crypto.com, fries.com, what. Anything that has the namer of .com on it, it's a no-go. Also, it's like, just, you, you can't have it. For me, that's, it's, it's similar to when Sears Tower became the Willis Tower. Like, it's always going to be Staples. It's Staples Center. That's, that's where the Lakers play. It's, just, it's the Staples Center. Uh, that's, it's never going to like, – that's a legendary kind of name for me. And that's, yeah, but we always say that. Like, Staples Center obviously is legendary beyond um, – Comiskey Park mm-hmm. or U.S. Cellular, but like, there's always the few years following the name change that you continue to call it the old thing. But then at some point, like, it becomes Guaranteed Rate Field. Mm-hmm. It becomes Crypto.com Arena. It beca- you go into the crypt. Hey, you head into the crypt. Like, you give it a nickname. That's a tough nickname, obviously in L.A. But like, we'll, we'll think of a different one. Yeah, that's that's probably not the best. But yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> not sure that <laughs> I, I'm not sure that the. The, the blood faction of Los Angeles would be too happy calling the stadium the crib. Probably, probably not ideal. Different conversation for a different day. Matt, what do you got? Oh, <laughs> I got, I got another buyer sell for you. Uh, college football. We got to talk a little bit of college football. The the playoff standings kind of have held serve after, after last week and kind of another week of a whole bunch of teams playing with their food. Um, I saw the question floating about around Twitter a couple different places. I have a, a fairly definitive answer, but I wanted to get yours. Buy or sell, Notre, you'd rather see Notre Dame go to the playoff and lose handedly to Georgia than go to a New Year's Six Bowl and beat Michigan or Michigan State. Give me that again because I, I, understand, I understand the two um, options. But you know what? what which one? What you know buying? which one would you rather see? Let's just this or that. Not buy or sell. Year, I want to see them win a New Year Six. Bowl. Oh, see, I'm. Totally I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them get slapped. Okay, so if you know the outcome, if the outcome is them losing to Georgia in the first round of the college football playoff, why would you again want to feed into that narrative of Notre Dame doesn't belong there? They get there every year and they lose. Because I don't think losing to a team like Georgia, the team that. Everybody see, especially in a year like this, that everybody sees as the head over heels, best team, best team in college football, all that kind of stuff. I don't think that really harms your program all that much. And if you look at the recruiting rankings, 
losing in the playoff has not harmed them at all. It's a, they're, they're recruiting rankings next year. I think they're the, they have the number three recruiting class in 2023. They're a top five. So like recruiting has benefited from going to the playoff, whether or not they've act, whether or not they've actually won. I also think that's a recruiting pitch saying like, Hey, yeah, we're, we're going to these playoff games. We're not winning because we're not recruiting well enough right now. Adding guys like you, a generic five-star recruit, make us, give us this better chance. And not only did that, like whatever, you can come here and play, whereas out, whatever, you're going to have to go sign. I get that. Yeah, also, I get that. it's just for whatever reason, it's become the narrative when Notre Dame plays a team. I, I don't think Michigan or Michigan State are that great this year. I think Michigan has a very good defensive line. I don't like all of what they do offensively. I don't think they're all that great. I, I think other than their, than their you know, front seven defensively, I think they're kind of overrated because I think everybody in college football is a little bit overrated. If Notre Dame goes mm-hmm. to a New Year's Six Bowl, and they lose to Michigan or they lose to Michigan State, then it doesn't look good because you just lost the New Year's Six Bowl and you didn't even make the playoff. If you go and beat them, the narrative doesn't then become, oh, well, Notre Dame was better than we thought. The narrative then becomes, well, Michigan and Michigan State were overrated like we thought they might be. I don't. I just yes. – going to the Fiesta Bowl and beating Michigan State 31-21 with Kenneth Walker not playing and, and Kyle Hamilton not playing and all that – I just it doesn't do anything for your program. That win, yep. that win isn't I, getting whoever the big five star recruit linebacker you want next year into your program. Going to a playoff and, and losing I, to Georgia actually might. It might. Um, that's a good point, but I, I think it speaks to the larger um, state of college football right now. In the sense that it's not the um, everything's devalued beyond the playoff. Like mm-hmm. everything. Even we're talking about a New Year's Six Bowl that used to be like that used to be a big thing for a program. It, did. it really isn't. It it really is. No, I agree. It, it definitely um, used to be. Now, if you're asking me the reality of those two situations, a lot's got to happen for. Oh, absolutely. It's it's still um, a long shot. You need teams to lose. But I guess my thinking or whatever in that regard is, if there's a year where teams in front of them might start dropping, I, I think it might be this one, just because. Yeah. I don't think anyone's really that good. Oregon's got two games against Utah. Oregon's number three in the country. They're nine and one. They're three and a half point dogs at Utah this week. Ohio State yep. has the offense, but their defense isn't great. And we see them kind of, you don't know what team you're getting there every week. Cincinnati has played with their food. I know I keep using that, that phrase. They've played with their food like the last few weeks and they got games against Houston and SMU coming up. And those two, those are two offenses that can really score. I, I, I'm interested to see what they do. Like Oklahoma state and Oklahoma are going to play each other probably twice. Like there's some teams that are going to drop in front of them. They're going to lose in front of them. And that, that there's obviously some work that needs to be done, but there's a lot that is going to sort itself out. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. It's just like, it's a possible scenario right now that if given the two, I would rather get a chance in a playoff and lose to the best team in the country than beat Michigan or Michigan state, you know, on a, I think there's also value to ending. I think there's also value to ending the season on the win and, and, and creating some parts of the off season. Um, but we'll see Matt by herself. Darren Williams fighting Frank Gore. Sure. I love now, it. I gave you Crypto.com Arena. You thought Is that, that fight in Crypto.com so, Arena? Because that's where it should be. Um, so. I, I, don't, I don't think so, but perhaps we could have that. That should be the first event again. held in once it switches names. Crypto.com That should be Arena. the first event, and that would be a hell of a trivia question. Um, um, yeah, why not? I don't know. Do you, it's kind of fun. Do you buy yourself the uh, entertainment value. Sure. Uh, it's unfortunate that that's kind of what boxing's starting to turn into a little bit. Not overall, but the, that that's become an aspect of boxing. But yeah, yeah, why not? Sure, I would love to see which. Probably, I would guess Frank Gore is probably in better shape because he's most recently been in a professional Darren, sport. Darren's much taller, though. He's got he's got the reach. But you know, Frank Gore reminds me of like a, kind of like a little Mike Tyson. I don't think you want to let him get in close. Yeah, Frank Gore's on the short list of guys I would just not want to have to ever fight. No, I think um, he'd be a, I think he might be a maniac and, and kind of crazy in a ring. <laughs> but sure, why not? I would love to see uh, how out of shape Darren yeah. Williams looks and how... I'll buy yeah, that too, but I will, I will push back on your point. You know, we, we did have Canelo Alvarez unify four belts mm-hmm. uh, the other day, and he's going to go up in a I weight class. I saw that. That's intriguing. He's going up in the weight class. We're only, we're only a month removed from an amazing uh, heavyweight bout, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's some others out in front of us. So What's the next uh, one And then there? You, you throw UFC into the mix. Um, I think that for the, the next thing that happens – well, I think the next thing that happens for him is he sits and waits because – 
he no longer has to fight. He's what is he one in one oh and one against or two oh and one against, against Wilder. Two on one against Wilder, and the fight to make was going to be um, against uh, Anthony Joshua. Against Joshua, but then Joshua lost to the Russian, so they have to fight again. Um, and then Fury probably gets the winner of that. But they're talking about him having a, uh, you know, just a regular title bout, non unification, okay. um, with another heavyweight. I forget the name, um, but he'll probably have one fight before fighting the ultimate winner of the second fight of uh, Joshua and um, what's the Russian's name? Um, We were talking about the other day, regardless of what it is. uh, There's some time before we see the ultimate uh, unification bout at the heavyweight level that we were hoping to see. Gotcha. Well, that was talking boxing on the Moose and Runes podcast. We, uh, you gotta, you gotta get a little boxing in here. Should we do some locks and, and get out of here? Let's hit some locks. Uh, we are both sitting at seven and four. I took an L last week, breaking my streak. Uh, you, I was a lot to, of like, people out, were on that. Like that was yeah. I was trying to outthink like, myself. Yeah. Like all oh, Patriots are overvalued. They're playing a pretty good Browns team that's undervalued, and just never, never even no. in that game. Hey, you know what? It, sometimes um, it's better to lose those where you just can write it off. Or like you know you what? Just know. It's done. I was wrong. It's over. You just know. So I uh, dropped the seven and four. You won Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame was the your Irish. bet. Uh, you improved to seven and four, and you will be taking us where this week. Matt? I debated going back to the college ranks. Part of me wanted to go Virginia Tech, coming off the the getting the, the with the interim head coach, uh, getting the eight against Miami. I'm not going to go that route though. I'm going to your Browns. I think the Browns are okay. the team that they, they, they we've talked about the Baker cycle, and you know he's good, and then people think he's going to be good, and then he's bad, and then when he's down, he proves people wrong. They got they're laying eleven at home against the Lions this week. I'm going to take them. I don't think the Lions are good. Jared Goff's banged up. Talking about Tim Boyle taking first team reps. This is the classic Baker Mayfield Browns get right game where they win thirty one to seven. All right, so we're back on the Browns in some way, shape, or form here on the Moose and Noons podcast. I will be taking you to Los Angeles, not for the Rams, but for the Chargers, laying four and a half at home against Pittsburgh. I just think Pittsburgh is not very good. Yep. I also think that the Chargers have underperformed and that they are pretty good. Um they need to prove that they need to you know we were ready to call them a contender in the AFC a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and then they've really just kind of uh, they've kind of laid an egg since but uh, four and a half points it's one of those middling numbers where yeah like they're they're obviously more than a field goal better than Pittsburgh are they four and a half points better I, I don't love the hook mm-hmm. maybe buy it down but uh, it doesn't scare me away when you're talking about a Pittsburgh team that's likely not going to have Ben Roethlisberger um, TJ Watts got his own uh, nicks and bumps right right now mm-hmm. I, I just think that they're they're separated by more than four and a half points in my eyes i like it let's uh let's both get to eight and four how about that all right those are your locks of the week here on the moose and runes podcast episode 230 uh alexander usik that was there the you name. go everybody alexander. knows an alexander 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 usik yes very good very that good. was talking um, russian on the moose and runes podcast but for now, uh, he is Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musome. Got anything else for the people before we say goodbye? Go win some bets this weekend, people. Go win some bets. That's uh, that's that's the parting thought here. Go win. Go win yourself a couple bets. Buy yourself that. Get bag. us some Thanksgiving the- mailbags. We want to talk about Thanksgiving food early next Ooh. week. So get 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 those in. Big time, big time. Uh, for our foodies out there, send us your mailbag questions at Moose and Runes on Twitter or get us up personally. We know you got those numbers. But for now, he is Matt. I am Joe. We'll talk to you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was enough. <laughs>